0: If you're digging the content, leave us a rating and review as that helps us and other fans of pop culture find us. Enjoy the show. Ladies, keep tripping me up on that. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the What's in My Head podcast. Today I'm joined by Rachel. I'm Julian, the host, of course. And today we're going to talk about comics, Ed and Eddie, and what are the kind of crazy shit that's going to come and pop up in here. Who knows what's going to happen? It's going to be fun. Rachel, how the hell are you?
1: I'm doing very well. Thank you for having me on, Julian.
0: Oh, man. Thank you. Uh, So, I usually like to open up the podcast with something similar each time. When did you realize that writing was something that you absolutely loved to do and you wanted to turn it into a career?
1: Oh, gosh. Um, It's going to sound terribly cliche, but I think as I knew I wanted to be a writer as soon as I picked up a pen, I mean, I didn't wield it particularly well, but like uh, when I was younger, when I, you know, when they always go, What do you want to be when you grow up? For me, it was like, I don't know specifically what I want to be but it's either going to be doing something with writing, working in like maybe some kind of like charity situation like helping people or working with animals and mm-hmm. um, so I, they were my three my kind of guides as to what I was going to do when I was older. Um, I basically I volunteered at like farms and things when I was a kid and I basically worked out that I don't have the stomach for like ugly side of looking after animals like you know if you become a vet or something so I was left with the other two choices really but um yeah I was just I, I was writing stories a lot when I was a kid when I was staying at my nan and granddad's they had like three Scottish terriers and I used to make up adventures and stories about them which is kind of ironic considering what I went to go on and do with Ed and Eddie um yeah so it was just something it was I was a very shy kid, so like being able to write was a way I could kind of express myself and what what was going on and that. So, um, yeah, for as long as I can remember, really.
0: Now, when you started, do you? When was the last time you looked at any story that you've written? Have you have you saved much of what you used to write, or did it all go in the
1: trash? Um, I don't. <laughs> I don't have my Ed Ed and Eddie scripts because I've, you know, what it's like with computers and stuff. (laughs) Unfortunately, I think I've lost a um, a lot of the copies and stuff, but I do have like storyboards of my, the first episode I wrote on, which was cleanliness is next to Edness, which is cool. It's in in storage, but yeah, Um, I just, I, I tend to have a lot of, notes all around the place and you know the way you just kind of have like half thought ideas like I tend to keep a lot of bullet points of what I want to do like if I'm in the shower I'll get an idea and I'll write it down or I carry a notepad around with me that kind of thing and what I I tend to find is um, if I just have like a bit of a thin bullet point idea that tends to percolate over time so you might like a couple weeks later you'll get a bit more of an idea of what you want to do and um, but I'm such a pack rat when it comes to ideas. I've got like <laughs> those random notes from like eight years ago that I've just got kept in a shoebox and just like, it'll come in handy one day, one of these days. So That's
0: fantastic. Uh, how often do you, what was, how do I put this? What was a, what was a story that you might've like, or an idea that you came up with for a story? Not specifically for Ed and Eddie, but just something like you were talking about, oh shit, I'm in a shower. That might make a good story. So you write it down. Do you, do you know what might be the oldest one you might have? as far as going back, that you haven't done anything with yet?
1: Well, that's a, that's a really good question. Um, well, I suppose like the, um, the the novel series I'm working on at the moment, um, that started out as a cartoon idea uh, that I'd w- actually worked on with Mike Kubat, like the actual um, kernel of the idea about a young lad who goes back in medieval times via mm-hmm. uh, a relic that he finds. Um, and he has to like battle kind of medieval baddies and it's a bit like Monty Python-esque in, yes. its, in its idea, a bit of like, you know, uh, medieval shenanigans and that. And that was that was something I was working on in my early 20s and it's kind of like just haunted me for years. And it's, it's slowly moved into something else uh, with this uh, novel series I'm working on. Um, but apart from, I'm just trying to think, apart from that, I used to write a lot of stories about like ghosts in Liverpool where I'm from. So it's normally like, you know, adventures of like little ghost girls and things and like kind of penny, like kind of like Lemony Snicket type stories. So um, yeah, that, that that kind of stuff's always kind of fascinated me. And folk tales as well. I used to like um, try and riff off different folk tales and like uh, based in Wales and based in Scotland and things like that. So um, anything where you can kind of blend magic with modern day, I'm very much into.
0: Yeah, it's funny because you brought up Liverpool. We were actually supposed during Covid, we were actually supposed to go. We would save for a couple of years. We were going to go to Ireland. We were going to spend a few days in, in London and just travel around and see everything. Um, yeah. But essentially Covid shut that shit down real quick. So we didn't get to go. Um, however, we're trying to make, make our way out there, hopefully next year after the baby comes and gets settled and all that other shit. And then hopefully, you know, protocols and all that crazy shit will be settled down some so we can actually travel. And, and we wanna spend about three weeks over in the UK. Uh, you know, I, was, I was in the Navy for a little while, so I got to see, you know, the, mainly the Middle East, but I got to see a whole bunch of different countries. And I just wanna explore more, especially I wanna see where my people come from. Um, you know, my, my, my grandmother tells me, either my great-great-grandfather or somebody like that was a uh, Baker, in the UK. And I would like to go see where he might have been at and all that other crazy. It's just cool seeing where you come from. Um, Mm -hmm. But when I like to read, I don't like to write because I just it's for me, it's like I fall asleep on it whenever I start to write, especially when i write essays and shit like that. Um, But do you find that you pull a lot of inspiration from artists and writers that are in your area or do you pull them from all over the world like me specifically i love stephen king he's my favorite of all time what about you who's some of your influences and big big writers you like
1: oh gosh um i mean you just hit on a really good point i tend to Pull a lot of inspiration from all over the place. I'm not one of these people who's like, I only like fantasy writers, so I'm only going to get you know inspiration from those guys. It's like I feel like if you narrow yourself down to just one genre or one medium, you are miss out on so much. So you know, um, my, my inspiration is like you know, I love Stephen King. King too. I love like Salem's Lot's one of my favorite stories, and I loved um, loved the, the Last Walk and uh, Running Man and all that. So. Um, I love Clive Barker. Um, he's actually a, a lad from Liverpool as well. So like um, his book Weave Wales is one of my favourite stories. Um, I loved, I grew up reading, it's a bit controversial, but uh, Ina Blyton. Um, and I I was a, I was like into Harry Potter as well. So like I read all those books. I was crazy on Harry Potter for a while. Um, C.S. Lewis. And then like I, I watched a lot of, me and my husband watched a lot of anime. So like we're really into Dragon Ball, uh, My Hero Academia, um, Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. Yes, you too. So you, into, you watching MHA?
0: Yes, well here's the thing with anime. Uh, anime has got some of the most ride-or-die hardcore fans I have ever met in my life yes. and some of the smelliest people I've ever met in my life. <laughs> here in order. Uh, so when I started, I started, my anime started with, you know, Pokemon when I was younger and then it kind of went into Dragon Ball Z almost instantly. Once I saw the first episode, here's what got me there's this little green bastard named Piccolo voiced by Chris Sabot. Now I don't watch true anime is what they say because I watch the dub version because when I, when I watch stuff like that, I watch it with my son. And when we started watching my hero last year, he can read really well for an 11 year old. He's always reading something, but it's so fast. The pacing is so fast for my hero that I was having to, like pause it and explain to him what they were saying. I was like, I just don't want to, I don't want to do this. So I started watching the dub version. And then as soon as I heard Chris Sabat, the voice of Piccolo, As All my, I was like, fuck, yes, this is my guy. (laughs) And I, like, it used to be Dragon Ball Z was my favorite anime of all time. But my hero, my God, is it good. Who? You got to pick one. um, You got to pick one student. You got to pick one teacher. And you got to pick one villain. Who are your three? Okay.
1: Uh, I'm going to say, I'm probably going to say Deku for my main, my main, I know he's the main guy, but he's my main guy. I love him. He's he's just a cinnamon roll. Absolutely adore him. Um, uh, I love Isaac Webb um, and I love, yeah, he's, he's just like, you know, he's such a solid, he reminds, he's just like a really solid person and he's got everyone's interest, to Harper. He's a very much a, a kind of backstage player, you know, like very measured. Um, I do love All Might a lot. Dylan's though, um, I loved twice, cracked me up, like yeah. the whole like kind of Deadpool-esque vibe he's got going on. Um all for one is genuinely terrifying. Like, he, whenever he's on the screen, I'm just like, oh, my God, I don't want any, anywhere near that. So, like, um, yeah, really, really loved him. And, and like, um, I had, I really enjoyed the last saga that we had. Um, but just the fight scenes are crazy. I'm like, what Deku goes through his whole journey. And, the fact, like, I think Deku is such a relatable character because, like, he starts off at such a disadvantage to everyone else. And not only does he, you know anyone who doesn't know MHA I do apologize, but like um, he starts off like being one of the few quirkless people in his universe, like, you know, and and he's measly on the back foot. But, you know, he is a parable for like having that sheer determination of like, if you want something to happen, you you know, and, and it, you know, you can make it happen. You know what I mean? If if you fight hard enough for it and you will find people who, who will be your ally and and like help you along and draw out the strengths in you. So um it's a great show and it's a great message. So yeah, I could I could talk about MHA and all that stuff all day. Yeah. All day.
0: It, it phenomenal. <laughs> like we're we're starting to watch uh season five, I think they're on now. And then I've been waiting for them to release the dub. Cause like I said, once I found out Chris Sabat was all mine, I'm like, I'm never gonna watch anything. I it's it's everybody says you lose something in translation but I, I at this point i don't care it's it's fucking piccolo the world's the, the galaxy's greatest dad is, is voicing all Might. um but i have to agree with you on the uh, teacher aizawa i thought he was a stoner i thought he was a student right the first time you meet him he's in a sleeping bag his eyes are all bloodshot and he's drinking a yeah. of sun, he's drinking a juice box i'm like holy shit there's really a character in here for everybody he's another stoner look at this yeah phenomenal right and then i was like oh man i love this dude <laughs> and then bakugo is my favorite student. Yeah. That dude has had so much character development from him yes. just, like everybody looks at him, he's like, Oh, he's just angry. No, he's not a one-dimensional character. You know, if you ever seen the movie Shrek shrek describes ogres as onions, right? You peel back and everybody's got layers. That's exactly what Bakugo does. Yes, mm-hmm. he's angry, but he uses that anger and that that willing to want to be the best to propel him, right? So everybody has every Goku has to have a Vegeta and every Vegeta has to have a Goku, right? That's the way I look at it. Yeah. And as far as villains go, Shigaraki is my guy. That dude is so yes, he has a temper tantrums and he can act like a child sometimes, but I feel like as the seasons progress, one of the most coldest moments was when uh after overhaul was beaten by deku in last season and he comes Ooh. over and he takes his other arm i can't remember the dude that um he was the, the he was like a carnival barker or or the mannequin looking guy that would come and he'd put people in little marbles. Oh. i can't remember his name but he took oh. his arm because yeah. overhaul took his arm and i was like holy mm-hmm. shit, that was dark and then shigaraki comes over and turns his other arm to dust i'm like holy shit, this dude is phenomenal and then yeah. you know, honorable mentions is Endeavor that last episode oh yeah last season it still gets like every time like I got goosebumps now just thinking about it and there's so many, there's not one character in that show that is just there for filler there's not one episode no. there's not one wasted dialogue which is phenomenal
1: absolutely and like going back to what you were saying about how back ago you can it, he could be easily misunderstood as like a one-dimensional character I feel like Endeavor fits into that yep. that category as well where it's like you know, I, I did not like him in the first set. I thought he was awful to his son and he was just generally a bit of an asshole. And um, but obviously you're seeing they've got a very complicated father-son relationship and how that's kind of transforming. And it's 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 really that cle- like with MHA, there's really that clever layers to it, as you say, of like it's not just it's like a lot of people describe it as the Japanese X-Men, which I would I would agree yeah. was definitely that as an element, but it's all the complicated you know, factors of being a teenager and, you know, family dynamics and stuff. It's just, it's a really solid, solid uh, series, definitely.
0: Yeah. Um, It's just one of those things you look at, you're like, holy shit, this is just so well, when you watch something like this, being, Hmm. doing what you do, I mean, do you instantly get like, oh shit, that was so cool. Do you instantly get inspired or how do you kind of tamper that down when you're watching stuff and just enjoy it like a fan vice looking at it like, oh, this is a training possibility or this is something to learn from
1: it's a bloody challenge um and (laughs) you'll notice you you notice yourself when you start dissecting stuff you can't help but see behind the scenes so when you start really kind of deep diving into like why a certain stories told the way it is or you know like when you if you watch interviews with different creators or whatever and you start understanding their process and stuff it's so hard to switch that off the amount of times that me and Rob have been watching like a film or you know like a tv show and again. You start pausing it you know the way you just pause and stuff and like you start dissecting the scene as it rolls on it's like just watch the thing well yeah do you know I me mean? like just shut up and just watch it but you just i think you can't, you can't it's really difficult to switch it off and i feel like when it does switch off that's when you know you're watching something really good because like i'm actually enjoying this as a by like a hapless bystander i'm not trying to like unpick it and like you know oh what goodies can we find in here so like yeah um yeah, no, no, that, that that is something that happens for me, and it is really difficult to switch off. So,
0: so getting back to you, I think we spent a little bit. I'm pretty sure I'm going to get some comments here on on, uh, ladies and gentlemen, if you're watching this episode, which you are, um, and you've gotten this far, and we haven't drowned out half the audience with my hero, academia. This is not <laughs> and none of these none of these episodes will ever be a traditional yes/no. I, I don't like that bullshit because it's not fun. It, it feels tailored. It feels. I don't know, man. It just feels weird. I like having real conversation with us, whether people like it or they don't. I mean, it's real. It's it's not something that's factory made in a farm where we're sitting here talking about, you did this, then you did this. Because I'm pretty sure you've had those styles of interviews doing what you do. And it's fucking boring. Who wants to sit here and talk about the same shit? You want to give the same answers. And you're like, you can go and find that interview on YouTube anywhere. But nonetheless, man, we're going to get- back.
1: Yeah, it's, it's more like, I don't want to do it. So. I'm, I'm really sorry, Julian. There's like a little bit of a delay. So if I, if I talk over you at any point, I do apologise. I'm not like interrupting you or anything like oh, yeah. that. Um, I think I don't want to do a David Copperfield and start from the beginning and bore all the tits off you basically. Do you know what I mean? It's like, I want to tell you, yes, what you want to know about the show and that. And it, you know, it's, I, I'm kind of boring a lot of aspects. So it just, I just, I don't want to give you like the builds. <laughs> do you know what I mean? So it's like, yeah, yeah, no, I completely understand yeah um, it's
0: like every every once in a while I'll get a I'll get a couple fans be like man will you just shut the fuck up and let them talk <laughs> yeah, well this is a conversation this is I'm, you can go on anybody there's there's I think I think the last time I checked, there's like a something about like a billion hours or something like that uploaded to to, to uh YouTube either every day every week or some shit like that if, if this isn't for you go find something else that is if you want a yes no google it you can find it no problem man but like that's what i said i like having conversations like this because you get to see more about a person when you like oh what do you oh you like that shit too i like that shit and then you can converse and talk and you got other fans and then you start talking about your process and that's what a lot of people a lot of people skip out because they hear my hero right but they won't hear the fact that you have to physically pause something sometimes or stop or if it's so engrossing that your mind completely shuts down and you're not thinking about holy shit I could take that sequence, or I could take something like that, or I could use that. Something like that inspired me to put this in my work, right? So it's fun seeing what people use and how they get inspired and take that inspiration and put it into their art and make it their own. I just think that's fascinating on how people get to what they're doing. Um, But yeah, so fuck them if they don't like it. I don't give a shit. (laughs) Uh, At the end of the day, man, so we're here to talk about you and Ed, Ed and Eddie. And one of my favorite groups of people to talk to is anybody that worked in AKA. I've heard some of the most phenomenal stories from Joel, the one we can't tell, the one from Big Jim that we told. Uh, Jonathan (laughs) and Mike have had some phenomenal ones. When you think about all the times that you've spent with AKA, and all like just working in the trenches with these guys and gals that you mm. work with from voice actors artists and all this other stuff what are some of your fondest memories and what are some of your first memories or well the ones you recall the most i guess is what i'm getting at when you hear aka or Ed, 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 Eddie, what's the first thing that pops into your mind
1: just family And i don't know that's gonna sound so cheesy so, I, yes. and i say that and i cringe a bit inside but it's absolutely true um and i don't know I don't know why it came to that point. I don't know if it's just the nature of, you know, the work we were doing or, you know, and you, other guys have probably said this too, like everything was so tightly knit with the way we worked. Um, Danny wanted everyone in the studio, you know what I mean? He didn't really like you working from home and stuff because it's kind of like he felt that, you know, if you're, working on an ep- if you're working through an episode or you're trying to work through an idea, the fact that I can turn to Scott and go, trying to work on this gag, I'm, I can't get it to the way I want to but you can um or you know we can we can bounce ideas off each other or you know I can I can talk to Big Jim or to Jono or or whatever and um, that was something that he very much believed was was the right thing for the show um, and also they were just like they were a bunch of frat boy dickheads but I, I love them dearly do you know what I mean um and like it was just you just you to come in you'd come in every day and you just you would get persecuted, but you'd absolutely just laugh your tits off. It would just be so funny, like just, and they could make a joke out of anything. And, and the w- the more they would make you laugh, the worse it would get. You know the, you know when you just like, I mean, I'm trying to think of specifics here, but it was just like, you would have you just crying, like literally, yeah. like you can't breathe because it just they're just escalating these stupid jokes they do. Um, but like you know, and even like like whenever we were really serious about people's birthdays, and it was always like there would always be this fucking rigmarole of like oh we're gonna let on that we've forgotten their birthday all day or what do you, you know like you know just like and then the end of the day uh bloody i think it was like sesame streets happy birthday to you would just start playing on four blast, and a whole lot of them <laughs> would just descend on your desk with like you know a, a cake shaped like a penis and just like you know <laughs> condom balloons and all that and just like just absolute disaster zone and. Um, I don't know if anyone told you, might have to cut this out, but every Friday we used to go to the local strip joint called the yeah, Number yeah. 5 Orange. And I think actually the Number 5 gets referred to in an Ed and Eddie. Down there every Friday because it was half half price beer, big, big, big yeah. proper like jugs of beer and like uh, trashy food and like all the strippers knew us by name. Like they all, <laughs> so and like if it was your birthday you were getting a lap dance, that happened. So like, yeah. And then, and, um, yeah, we were in there every Friday. It was just a mess. Um, I was to think what else? But it was just, it was just, it was a great. You know, it was it was very collegiate in the sense of like everyone was involved in the production of every episode. Like, I'm sure someone already mentioned that. Um, when it came to storyboard and phase, uh, the whole studio would be in to look at how like you know you'd have those big boards with like uh, the the storyboard panels and things and the and the director work. You know, like. If it was scott or big jim uh, they would go through each panel and explain how they how they broke the episode down and we'd all get to feed in on like how it would probably play out so yeah just a big messy crazy family essentially that's what i would say about aka
0: yeah it's like i said i i enjoy talking to the guys and gals that work at aka because you guys always bring the funniest stories and you, we talked uh, just a minute ago, or before we started and started recording and everything like that, but you got some props and stuff, because you saw Johnna hold up some stuff. Yes. So let's show everybody what you got, man. It's okay. sure tell. <laughs> All
1: right, okay. Um, so, on my first day at AKA, uh, Danny gave me this. So <laughs> Plushy plank. Um, and then I've got... See, I, I don't know if half this stuff made into the shops, but I've got Ed, Ed and Eddie plushies. So there's like an Eddie, Eddie plushie, um, I've got a Ed plushie, and a D plushie, probably. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We've got that. Um, I've got, this is Jan Roll. This is a plushie from Jono's cartoon that he, he did after after finished, after season four of Ed, Ed and Eddie. Mm-hmm. Um, Got these like crazy like little bendy figures as well so I don't know if you can see this you've got Ed mm-hmm. I've got one of Kevin as well but you know what Kubat had an Ed, Ed and Eddie beach towel and I said where did you get that from and he wouldn't tell me so, <laughs> I think it was his... yeah. and the more well I forgot about it the you got so like um I think you could have got it at Target but you, you know he's you couldn't find that Ed Ed, Ed Ed and Eddie merchandise anywhere like it was so difficult to try and find it so like I think with this to be fair it's it's because the studio the uh, Cards Network used to send it up to the studio and stuff but um yeah just one last thing I've got a this is bad puss Jono got this for my wedding like it just turned up randomly Like, what? because <laughs> um what, what happened was uh I got a Years and years ago for Dan C, we, the producer, I got him a cup when I came back from to the UK on a visit. Bagpuss is like this weird nineteen fifties British cut like puppet show, stop motion puppet show. I got like there was like a little alarm clock with a Bagpuss toy on it, and Dan was obsessed with it. Like he just had it on his desk for years. So like Bagpuss became like this honorary mascot character in the studio. So like when I, when that turned up on my doorstep like the day after the wedding, I was just like <laughs> just crying. So yeah so that that's my stuff there
0: that's phenomenal you, you mentioned something that i wanted to circle back to that if you were having trouble finding or trying to work something out you would go to Scott. Yeah. um <clears throat> with with this show um who would you go to frequently would it be writers or would you just guys just go to the artists right off the bat like oh, man, i can't get this shit down can you help me with it
1: i don't know i think i suppose when i was first like Drafting an episode, like writing an episode out, it would normally be Mike and Jono, I'd get on the phone too. And it you know, would be a case of like, I'll just give Jono a ring and just go, right, I've got this, trying to work through this scene. And because what would sometimes happen is you'd have like the, the premise of the episode, which would be about three or four sentences long. But sometimes when you try to expand outwards, it, it would feel a bit like flat. Yeah. Um, so yeah, some, I would sometimes phone Jono and go, you know, trying to trying to make this work, what do you reckon? And then we do you know, try and hash it out of like what it would kind of develop into. Mm-hmm. And I suppose when it got to like outline script stage, that's when I would really start talking to the guys in storyboard. So like, I mean, they brought so many of their their own unique strengths to it. Like Big Jim is fantastic at structure. Like he can, he can take like a kind of wibbly wobbly story and just give it that real backbone that it needs yeah. to work. And then you've got Scott who you'd have like, I mean, I'll give you examples so of there's an episode Tinker Ed where Jimmy kind of loses his faith in like fantasy and fairies and, and stuff. I don't know if you remember the whole um the loads of baloney joke that Rolf did when he was paranoid someone was going to steal his bag of baloney. That was Scott. Scott came up with that because we did because it was such a Jimmy fixated episode. There wasn't a lot for like the other characters to do, but like having this great, this stupid gag with Rolf running up and carrying his loads of baloney. Yeah. Um it just kind of it, it, it took like you know my dumb idea and just made it a lot like funnier and like you know a lot more dynamic so uh, there was that and then wooty was we like because he worked with me on the ed to, to come and he had to come in space episode and i just feel like if you give wooty something weird he'll just absolutely run with it like you know he'll do like that kind of otherworldly stuff and just be he just is is his brain is just another dimension to the rest of us. Like, you, you know, he yeah. just thinks on such another level. And then with Joel, um, he's fantastic at, like, you know, really giving things that emotional, like, resonance. Do you know what I mean? Like, he he, he knows so intuitively how the characters all work together and stuff. So if I was trying to get a, a particular um, mood across or, like, you know, a, a kind of interaction, he'd be great at, like, well, Double D would probably say this or Kevin would probably do that. So they, they were, they were, like four kind of like um I'm gonna put it like adjudicators of different things I go talk to like go go leave my offering and go please please mighty lords what do I do
0: <laughs> that's phenomenal now there's one thing I want to bring up because Mike and Jono both had the same answer and I don't know if we thank it, but thank you Mike and Jono for for turning me on to Rachel and making the connection because I'm really having fun with this conversation this is one of the best ones I've had um as of late and I don't know if it's just because I'm becoming more relaxed with doing this stuff or if I'm starting to find a better flow or like I said earlier, just don't give a shit what anybody else thinks. If they like it, they like it. If they don't, they don't. I hope they do because there's a lot of stuff that you can pull from this. And I already know what I'm gonna use for this episode. I started doing teaser trailers and I'm for sure using the strip club every Friday as the teaser for this episode. <laughs> <laughs> um, but but I want to cir- circle back just for a second because Mike and Jonna both said, and everybody's gonna be different when it comes to to what characters they struck or what characters were great for them to write and what characters were a lot harder for them to write. And they both said Naz. Mm-hmm. Now I don't wanna paint this cause you, you can't get away from the shit in the media. Uh, you know, we're all the same, but we're all different. Right. Um, I don't want to plant this like, Oh, these are, you know, white dudes trying to write a female and it's just not going to work. You need a female writing a female. Cause there's, there's females that, that voice male characters that nobody knows Nancy Cartwright, the voice of Bart. I did not know for the longest time that it was a female. When I found that, I'm like, Holy shit. I didn't, cause I sound like a guy. I can't make myself sound like a girl. So when a girl can sound like a guy and a guy can sound like a girl, I'm like, holy shit this is magic right so i got to imagine it's the same thing when it comes to like there's some artists that 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 completely crush a female's character in comics and books and all this other stuff when they draw it and there's some that just have a hard time with it so with that being said they had a hard time writing naz and i don't know if it was because they were both men or if it was because it was she was just a very plain character they said it was because she was very basic and very plain specifically for you is was it difficult writing Naz or who are some of the difficult characters and who are some of the easy characters for you to slip right into and write um,
1: yeah I, I would it, it's it's difficult really because I, I I love Naz I think she's like um what I think Naz brings to it she has a lot of a lot of moral fiber in that like if the kids ever did anything shitty she would pull them on it you know what I mean so she had a lot of empathy mm-hmm. and like, and I suppose you could argue, well, it's a that da- it's a daft kids cartoon where you know hijinks happen and you know a piano falls on Eddie's head and we all laugh and la de da, which is fine. But like I feel what was great with Naz is that she would she would come in and like kind of challenge people on stuff like you know, she would call the Eds out on their shit, she would call Kevin out on, on his shit. Yeah. And like um she she added like a genuinely good heart to her, you know what I mean? I suppose, and like, you know, um, but I, I must admit, it was it was sometimes difficult trying to figure out what are the different what other different things can we do with Naz because she is very much this ornamental character. Do you know what I mean? Of like you know, you know, she's someone we all kind of moon at, like you know, gaze at. That's not the right word. It's moon at. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's, it's So I did sometimes struggle with, with Naz a little bit. Um, I suppose how can I put it? I think I think I wrote better with Double D and Eddie um ed sometimes i don't think i did i always did justice because like he was a lot like the kind of wild cards of like you know he would follow he would follow along what the other two were doing um so i did sometimes struggle with ed centric episodes but um yeah so and i suppose like lee Kanker and really like maria may are, are actually they're, they're really fun to write with like really tapped into the fact marie is super jealous and like you know like in the Valentine's special and stuff and she's really feisty and she's really quite like um she wants to kind of be up in everyone's business and that and like and that's what i found really interesting about marie and then you got may who's like kind of a secret ge- secret like genius and all this and um but lee apart from her being the bossy older sister was really quite difficult to figure out what she was all about as well like so yeah, so i'd probably say lee kanker and, and naz were quite difficult to write for sometimes but you know um who knows if we'd had the right premise or whatever it could have brought something out in them down the line
0: yeah when it comes to those are the two hardest you said so who are the ones that it felt like putting on a pair of shoes like oh this shit is easy i can slip right into these characters
1: oh gosh um probably double d um I've got. I've always. I always felt like I've had a lot in common with Double D, like the, the, you know, the um, the sensitivity, the introversion, being a total nerd, um, about, like you know, just really just deep diving on just stuff that no one else cares about. Like I could, if, I mean, you want to talk about turning off your, your followers, I could sit here and talk about medieval history like all day, every day, Julian. No one, like, no one will come back. Like, don't get it on again. Don't. Do not bring it back <laughs> on again. Um so so yeah so double d was like you know just being able to tap into that that total just constant awkwardness and um always obsessing about what people are thinking about him and always like worrying about like doing the right thing um and then there's eddie because with eddie you can just completely go into your like if i did not give give a monkeys what people thought of me what would i do and then and what i love about eddie was um it's just he's unstoppable like you know he you, you can't keep him down you know what i mean you can he's just it's 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 kind of inspiring like you know he is that tumblewumba song i get knocked down but i get up again you know so i just that's what i love about him
0: i've been doing this shit for eight months and nobody has brought up that song it is phenomenal i <laughs> there's a whole <laughs> bunch of people that are like 18 they're like what the fuck song are they talking about they're gonna oh, go yeah, up in the charts right now they're gonna get a platinum <laughs> record for of this so thank you for that um <clears throat> one of my favorite characters to ever because he always had the best insults was mm-hmm. he was like when i had peter on it was so hard it was like you ever you ever go to the go to or watch a nature documentary and they always say if there's a gorilla you look down you don't look him in the eyes because you It'll try to assert dominance. That's what I had to do with people. Not because, not because I was trying to, like, assert dominance or anything like that. Because, like, looking at him and the way he talks and the way he moves and all this other stuff, he's very animated. And every time I would look at him, I would try my hardest not to laugh. My face was hurting because I was holding it back. Because he's just a funny guy. And it's the same thing with Rolf. He had the best insults and it felt like every season it was just like let me see what I can do with Rolf let me see if I can let me see if I can do this that and the other um was he one of those characters that you just absolutely loved and who would come up with a lot of those those zingers and one-liners for Rolf
1: oh god well to be fair Danny used to come up with a lot of them um yeah. because if I don't know if Mike mentioned this in a previous one because a lot of it is based on his experience um as a fir- you know a first generation Italian mm-hmm. um so he would he would just throw out all this total weirdness that like probably just drawn from his his own experience and stuff and then Mike would lean on in on that hard and then um like you know I think everyone really enjoys having fun with Rolf I mean like um I I certainly did like uh, there there was like the episode, no speak to Ed and we were able to kind of delve into Wolf's trauma a little bit, like his traumatic childhood and that with uh, being stalked by the Wolf brothers, just that kind of stuff I was talking about before, like the weird Russian fairy tale kind of grim, grim, dark stuff. Um, Yeah. He, he is a lot of, he is a lot of fun to mess with. Um, And, and I think, the fact that he's not actually nailed down to a particular country in real life. There's like kind of, there's elements of different places, I suppose like Eastern Europe and India and things like that. Um, it just means that you can, you can pretty much take him in any direction. And you don't know, you don't really have to worry about hopefully offending anyone. So, you know,
0: Hey man, he, he, he was such a fantastic character. And what I love, and I've said it multiple times on this, whenever I have the guys and gals from AKA, um, all these characters that were on the show, you can pick them out from kids that you grew up with. Yeah. Not to the extreme that Rolf was. Because I always noticed, it, this show is a lot like wrestling. And what I mean by that, and I'm wearing a wrestling t-shirt. And I don't, you know, Dusty <laughs> Rhodes, right? So what I mean by that is some of the best characters you have um, in wrestling are themselves, but dialed up to like a hundred. Like, what can you do if this person had no boundaries they could just do whatever they want they could be zany and they could just be free to do whatever they want that's what a lot of these characters felt like because everybody had a rolf everybody had a kid everybody had that one asshole that always wanted to beat him up call him a nerd take off with a bike and all this other shit everybody had a nas everybody had somebody that they absolutely admired and would love to date or whatever you wanted to do back in the day and same thing everybody had a car salesman like eddie everybody had that dumb person everybody had that really smart person everybody hung around right and that's what stuck out so much in this show. Um, and when you, when you guys are doing that, obviously, you're going to have a different story than Jono and Jono's going to have a different story than Mike and Mike's going to have a different story than Danny. When you guys are writing an entire season of something and everybody has an episode. Now, obviously, you know, one's not leading into the other to leading in the other to tell, you know, an overarching story. But how do you guys make that kind of match like your style with Jono's and Jono's with Mike's and vice versa?
1: Like when, at, at the episode writing stage, or like, um, yeah, like
0: how do, you, how do you guys make it f- seem like it's flow and it doesn't seem like when I watched this show, it felt, it felt like the same person wrote everything, the same person drew everything, right? So, how do you guys mix and match your styles whenever you guys are collaborating? Because you guys said it's a very collaborative show, but how do yeah. you guys mix and match your styles to make it seem like it's never ending? There's no cuts, there's no you know, deleted scenes type of thing, I suppose. They-
1: it's difficult really I suppose like it's because um you know because Danny was involved with like the at, at, at every stage you know what I mean so so he was there to, to make sure they had that kind of consistency all the way through with how this each episode's going to turn out but I suppose as well because we worked up we, we would second guess ourselves and run like you know kind of run ideas past each other and, and like you just when you're working on, on a property for for years you know especially in the case of Mike and Jono and and um, the storyboard guys um, you just kind of pick up on what the feel of the show is and it just becomes a bit more intuitive you know you kind of like it is like putting on the overall for you, your job and like right I'm, I'm sat in you know the cold essentially I'm sat in the cul-de-sac I've got you know I've got the boys in front of me and and I I know them I'm, I'm familiar with them like I, I know intuitively what they do and it's just you 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 tend to you know when you're working with them you know day in day out and, that, and and bouncing ideas it just it just all seems to like blend together and that and it's like you 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 tend to start knowing like what wouldn't what would work and what wouldn't work and you know and and that's that's kind of what I was like alluding to before of like um when you'd work on something with the storyboard guys like they, they would say well I just don't feel like rolf would say that or like you know kevin would say that and they've got four seasons worth of evidence to to know what they're talking about so yeah that that's i think i think that's what that's what it is we, we all just kind of were singing from the same hymn sheet in that sense
0: it felt like everybody wanted the same thing everybody wanted to put yeah. the best cartoon forward so that oh shit hit the mic that all obviously will help because if if you've got these people that aren't team players right and obviously Hearing everything that I've heard about Danny, that just wouldn't happen because they'd get the fuck out. If nobody wanted mm. to play ball, go find some other studio to work at. So it's it's nice to hear that everybody wanted to make the best that they could make. And a lot of that was because Danny was pushing you guys harder. Like some of the stories that I've heard, it was like the post-it notes are one of my favorite stories of all time. Hearing some of did you draw this with your ass or, or for a new job or shit like that. And <clears throat> I want to get to the post-it notes if you got any, but uh, you, you hit on something that I want I want to circle back forward for just a second. I lost yeah. my train of thought. So we're going to, have to talk about the post-it note story real quick. So do you have any post-it notes that you have gotten?
1: Um, I'm trying to think of the specific post-it notes, but I will tell you. One time I handed in an, an episode outline and I the only note I got was no. Basically, <laughs> Danny just took his, his famous red pencil crossed each page and just wrote, no. and it wasn't no do this instead or no this didn't work but try this it was just no so like I was like cool what do I do with that so I mean to be fair that only happened once um I think it was probably like in the earlier episodes I worked on um but yeah like sometimes it was like kind of just like I need so I need some butter for this waffle like because it was just like because admittedly you know as evidenced by this podcast, I do tend to waffle sometimes. So, with like some, you know, what was should be a three-page outline could sometimes be a five-page outline, and it's and he's and so a lot of my advice was to self-edit and like you know, like trim things down and tighten it up and stuff. But yeah, it was it was mainly just blah blah blah. It uh, needs some butter on this waffle, and um, no, so <laughs> they <laughs>
0: When you have something like that and you're getting, uh, I, fig- I figured out what my point was. Uh, when, when you're getting a script and he's saying no, or he's saying trim the fat, essentially, right? Make mm-hmm. it tighter. What do you look at first to start trimming for you specifically? Whenever you got a script, because you obviously, whenever you put something in, be like, oh, this is good. And then you have somebody yeah. else proofread it. You're like, oh, shit, this needs to change. There's no real direction from it. they get here to here. So when you have something like that where you have a script and it says edit no or find something else, what do you look at first? Do you go and reread the entire thing and just start seeing where you can trim out the like ums or the pauses or stuff like that? Or what do you do for you?
1: What I would, if I got back a, if I got back an outline and the feedback was basically boring, do it again. um, I would, (laughs) I would hand it off to, I'd probably maybe give it, give it to someone like Mike or Jono. Mm -hmm. And I'd just be like, is there something in this that's kind of jumping out as unnecessary? Is it boring? Like, cause he each sentence essentially had to move the story along. So it was so you'd say, like, you know, Eddie was angry this today, therefore, he kicked double D in the arse, therefore. And like everything that you you basically thought of, like had to be, you know it wasn't they did this and they did this so if I I found myself falling into that trap where I was just kind of like you know when you were in school and you're doing like your elementary exercise of what did you do over the summer Julian um it was you had to think right is each sentence in this outline is it actually moving the story along are you getting from the first sentence of this premise the initial episode premise that you had how long is it taking you to get from sentence one to sentence two of that plot point so if it was taking ages to get there and I could I could feel my own impatience of trying to get to the next point then I'd know something was wrong but yeah sometimes it was sometimes it is just give it to someone else let them read it they don't, they're they're gonna give you their unbiased opinion and and that could sometimes you know kick in of like you know if they said I ah, you know this doesn't work for me or why don't you try this it would a light bulb will go off and you go oh you know like and that that's and and you know you'd be able to do a much better draft so yeah, yeah I would I would do that a lot of the time. What, what would you do
0: to get yourself as, cause you said, like, if you're in the shower, you have an idea, you're like, oh, should I got to write that down. Or you're watching something or something happens, you know, life imitates art and art imitates life and vice versa. Right. So you see something. And if you're, if you go outside, you can observe a ton of shit. I love people watching when we go to the mall, because you see yeah. things that people do like little idiosyncrasies or how they, how they touch their hair. It's just, it's just wild to see that we're all the same thing, but we're all mm-hmm. different, right? There's so many of us mm-hmm. and we're all different but for you specifically, whenever you're writing a story, is there certain things that you like to almost set the mood, like you dim the lights down, you put on your favorite movie for background, or you put on something, or what is the process for you?
1: Okay, um, so, like, I've got like, music I'll listen to, I listen to a lot of ASMR, so like, about, you know, if I'm, if I'm writing like a fantasy scene or whatever, um, I'll listen to some like epic music or something to kind of like get fired up to write it, mm-hmm. um, I'll I'll, I'll go for a walk like I'm really fortunate that I, w- I live by a load of forest so I'll, like I'll go for a really you know like I'll go for a run in the morning or like you know I'll go for a walk around the campus or or whatever and um, sometimes you know I'll I'll flick through some comics and, and like just get you know an idea of how I want a, a, a scene to play out yeah, um, so, yeah but it, it's really I, what I'm trying what I've tried to move away from um, is limits saying I can only write when the news presents themselves because I feel yeah. like if you do that, you'll be waiting a long time, basically. Yeah. Um, so my advice to anyone would be: don't don't wait for the muse to decide; they're going to turn up. So grab the ass of the table and go, "Hey, muse, get it together! I need to write." So, um, you know, whether you you know open up notepads and just write a load of crap down and just get all the junk out of your head first. Like I find morning journaling, like you know, just getting up and just writing freehand in the morning, can really help because, like, you don't you don't realize how much trash you're carrying in your head all the time and it's a lot like uh you know when you've got a computer and it's full of files and it's really slow and it takes ages to do anything you're not always thinking about all the crap you've got saved on there so if you ever got writer's block or you're like if i could just get into the right mindset sit down with a with a legal notepad or whatever just just write just 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 get out everything that you can out and you know it, it's amazing sometimes it can really just get you into that mode that you need to be in so so I do that um but yeah it's just if, if I find that I'm if I find that I'm really fixated on something and I can't make it work I'll put it down and I'll go away and I'll go you know go have a shower go for a walk I'll go talk to a friend um something like that and then in the background it tends sometimes it tends to like you know, sort itself out. It, you just got to take your mind off it sometimes.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's a valid point. And this is going to sound like a super pretentious question, but <clears throat> I like to ask it nonetheless because of Danny's uh, stance on fuck digital art. Um, now, obviously, writing is different because it's it, it's art, but it's it's not what he was talking about when he said fuck digital art. It's the, the pen to papers, the, the the paint on the cells and all this other stuff is what he was really getting at. But for you, do you feel like you are... A better writer when you're doing it on that legal pad and pen and paper, or do you feel like you get better stuff when you're on a computer typing everything out? What's more accessible to you, I guess?
1: Um, I mean, if I'm feeling particularly blocked, like right wise, I will just go and sit down and just just write. Just just a big. I think one of my problems is is that I try I try and edit as I go along. I've, I'm really I've got a really really persistent inner critic yeah um, they will sit there you know the, this voice will be there again. that shit don't do that or like what are you writing like that for yeah. so but if i go away and like do like the mechanical act of just no one cares what you're writing rachel just write any old crap who cares yeah taking that judgment off and just you know getting it out on the page is is so cathartic um but yeah so i got you know i, I work in marketing I, i'm i'm i write you know for hours each day doing copy things like that and um, but but sometimes you just cannot beat a, a pen and paper you can't just just to get a bit of freedom in what you're trying to say
0: yeah i mean that makes sense uh it, it, you brought up something cuz i'm the same way where i'll sit there and i think almost everything i do is just shit right cuz it's it's something about like whatever it is as far as like being a creative person so my day job i work in a kitchen right i cook so it's very artistic in a sense but when I have people over and I cook for them, they're like, oh, this is so great. This is so delicious. And I'm thinking like, yeah, it needed more salt. It needed this. It needed that. It needed this. I see everything that's wrong with it by seeing. I don't know what it is about us being people because we always tend to gravitate towards what's the negative aspect of whatever we're doing, which is mm-hmm. so detrimental to your mental health when you think about it. It's like if you're consistently shitting, what does one of two things? It either pressure does two things. It either bust pipes or it creates diamonds, right? Now, when you're sitting there and you're consistently you know, shitting on yourself, you could fold and just like, oh man, I suck at this, I'll just give up. Or it makes you a better person. You're like, okay, if I suck at this, how do I actively get better at that, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I like that, that inner turmoil, I guess, if that's, if that's anything, that inner critic. Sometimes they can be, we're harsher on ourselves than, and anybody yeah. can really ever be. If you saw half the shit that was in my head that I say about myself on a consistent basis, like Jesus Christ, you need a hug, man, you all right? No. Um, but my inner voice, right? I like to give them funny accents, right? Sometimes, sometimes <laughs> they're somebody from Australia or somebody, sometimes they're super Southern. So they're Georgia or Texas or something like that. What is your inner critic sound? Like? Does it sound like you or do you give it a funny accent too?
1: No, she, sound, and oh, she sounds like um, a bit like Dolores Umbridge from Harry Potter. Like this kind of <laughs> like roll Dahl-esque kind of villainous woman oh, in like a tweed suit. Too. And like, you know- <laughs> Hers, I pulled back in a really severe bun, and she's just kind of looking down there's was like, nee. "You know what I mean? That's what my one's like." Yeah, so so I would describe us.
0: Jesus, well, that's like the evilest person you could possibly pick as being a critic.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, just like a, a weird, awful school teacher who probably needs to get laid like that, you know? Like, but like, <laughs> but you know, just, just like you know. Is never pleased with anything that you do and stuff, and it just but it and 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 it's really like like you know, pers- but really persistent in that. But I also do appreciate what you're saying of like sometimes it's it's that kind of introspection that really pushes you forward. And it's like you know, you working in the kitchen, I I admire that greatly. I can barely make toast. So it's like, you know, my fellas cook in this house. So it's like the fact that, you know, you're obviously so passionate about it and like, you, you know, you got people going, wow, Julian, this is amazing. Like, yeah, it is bloody amazing. And, and like working in the kitchen is one of the most stressful work environments you can be in. So absolutely, props to you, mate. Absolutely. Thank you,
0: Thank you. I appreciate that. And it's come up twice now. We've talked about Harry Potter. And one thing I've always liked, because depending on the person, right? I, I don't know how big, because I didn't live over there when this was happening. I know how big Harry Potter was here because that was the first book. And when you were in school, where'd you go to school at when you were in elementary school and shit? Was it UK, right?
1: Yes, it was. Yeah.
0: OK, now, do you guys we we, we call them scholastic book fairs where they would come mm-hmm. into the school and then you could buy books and stuff like that. Did you guys have that, too?
1: We did. Yeah, we did. Um, and it was super exciting. Yep. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, uh,
0: the best days in school, right? You go there, yeah, you, get, you yeah. got a new book, and you're like, "Oh shit!" There's posters and pencils and all this other stuff. I remember when Harry Potter was huge, right? Yeah, they had teachers, and 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 it was very like America's very very li- religious where I was at when I was growing up and stuff. So they had people with picket signs that so we don't want Harry Potter in the school. Same thing with the movies. Did you guys see any of that when 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 it was coming on, like witchcraft and all that other shit?
1: Not too much, because to be honest, like it. <laughs> Britain's a of, of funny old place because, yes, we've got, like, you know, um, we have, you know, Christianity is, like, the kind of one of the dominant religions here and stuff, and, you know, I went to an all-girl Catholic school and that, but um, you know, I suppose witchcraft and wizardry is kind of in the tapestry of our nation's identity, so it's like, it's, it's something that's kind of gone, it's always kind of ran parallel to, you know, um, our religious identity as well, so, you know, um, we didn't get. Yeah. I mean, I, maybe we did I just I wasn't aware of any kind of controversy at least you know being in Liverpool as well like um there, there is always this kind of flirtation with the unknown like like you got a lot of people who like were very much into our ghost stories and things and um you know the whole the, the Irish side of our identity as well as like you know like with, with different folklores and things like that so um yeah we didn't see too much much of that at all um but with the scholastic book fairs, yeah, we ours used to turn up in a bus. Like we used to have a double decker bus. Like you'll know the London, those kind of big red London buses and that. Like it was kind of like that kind of bus that would rock up, and you'd get on and you'd, you'd like all the seats would have been turned into shelves and things, and it was like all full of books. And that. But, yeah, it was it was amazing when that turned up, and you could get like tokens as well that you could save up through the year and have like a little book that you could you could play in books with and stuff. But yeah, and um, you just reminds me actually. The first time I wanted to become a writer was because some kid, some girl, who was like 10 years old, managed to publish a book. Mm-hmm. And this can sound really arrogant, but I was reading again. I can do better than that. I can <laughs> write a book.
0: <laughs> you were Dolores Umbridge before Dolores Umbridge. It I was, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the only reason I brought up Harry Potter is because it was so huge here. It's huge all around the world but I've yeah. met a few people, uh, when, when I was still in the Navy, we, we did a proof of concept mission. I'll keep this story very short. Uh, and we went and we went on a Royal, uh, a British Royal ship, right. Um, for the life of me, I can't remember the name of it. I'll have to ask Ricky cause he was, um, Oh shit. Where was he from? What? Not Wales. Fuck. I can't remember. Uh, there was a, there was a beer made after it, uh, some kind of pale ale or some shit like that. A uh, new Newcastle, Newcastle, maybe. I don't know. Fuck it. I don't know. I'm rambling at this point. Um, but, uh, I remember because the I was rereading the last one and then he saw me read it and he's like, oh man, you're one of those Americans, huh? And I was like, what do you mean? And he was like, dude, nobody reads that bullshit. And I was like, what are you talking about? I see so many people reading Harry Potter. And he was like, <laughs> us people in the UK hate when you Americans come over because you guys are in your cloaks. You got your little wands pointed at shit. And I was like, are you fucking with me right now? And he's like, nah, I'm not really. I'm. He's like, And he says, I'm trying to take the piss out of it, but he's like, I'm uh he was like, I just don't like Harry Potter. So I mean, he's like, I was just fucking with you, man. He was like, there's a lot of people over here that like it, but did who, who I guess what I'm getting at is who had it bigger? Was it America that just took it to a whole new level when it came Harry Potter or were you guys super rabid fans over there too, when all of this was happening, if you can remember.
1: To, to be fair, um, I was already kind of in America and, then in, in canada when we were like kind of like book three book four mm-hmm. so i think you guys went loop, loop-de-loop for it really you were kind of in, in your in your Pottermania phase mm-hmm. by yeah. the time i was already living on your side of the pond so um i don't i don't think it you know i don't remember seeing as much of a mania in the uk when i was when i was when I came back and stuff um I was back in the UK by the time book seven came out and I, I was one of the ones who was down there like a bit like getting my copy and all this and like there was a big there was a big queue and, and all that but yeah I, I feel like it with America it really blew up because like there is so much about it that's so like quaint and quintessentially English so yeah, yeah. um yeah I just if it's it always felt like a travesty to to husband that um they didn't have like a pot like a kind of hogwarts an actual like life size hogwarts like outside of london that you could visit you know what i mean it it is like wasn't always available unless you went to like figure like universal studios there was like a kind of potterwales and now they got one in london and stuff but yeah um it, they there was a potential to do a lot more there but yeah um but i can't it's just it's, it's, I can't describe it like, cause a lot of people didn't like when they met me, when I was in the U S for the first time, they, they, I got called Australian. I got called, <laughs> got called Irish, which I understand, got called no, Norwegian. I was like, what? Like, um, but yeah, very few people thought I was actually English. So, um, yeah, well, go figure.
0: I don't, I don't want to sound like I'm out of place, but the only reason I asked this is because I, I love accents and I love hearing how people talk and trying to figure yours out. I figured it was some kind of, you know, UK. It was some kind of in there with, I don't want to say London because they have a specific way of talking and everybody branches out and they have all these other different talking. And, yeah. you know, so, so I was thinking, is Cockney the wrong wrong term? Is that the wrong term for, for how you sound? Or what is, I guess, what would your accent be uh, labeled as?
1: Um, it's called, well, it's called Scouse. If you're from Liverpool, okay. Uh, okay. We're, we're called Scousers. Mm. um and that that comes from the fact that um the the, the city's ter- the city's kind of dish liverpool dish is a stew that's called scouse which is basically like an every like everything under the sun is thrown in there yeah. um, but it was actually norwegian sailors that it's it's a i think it's like a, a lobster it's like lobster scouse or something that they brought they were always eating when they were there and it just kind of went in from there but yeah my accent is kind of like a melting pot of like different so you got like irish you got welsh you got scottish You've got Norwegian, and you've got a blend of all of a different accent. So it's really difficult to pinpoint like where Welsh ends and where Norwegian begins <laughs> with the full accent. Um, but God, I made the right with aka. Um, I made the mistake once of like we went to a restaurant, and you know what? Well, you guys use you, you know, the way you say burger. Um, <laughs> this, uh, we, go, we go to this frigging restaurant and I'm about to order and I'm starving I go yeah I'll just have some chips and a burger please and the way I said burger like Joel and and, and Wooty just spun around like the exorcist like what did you say I'm like I just ordered a burger and chips well that was it for the next three years you're right baby? i did you a burger and like that, that was me my life my identity so like well even now it's like <laughs> Yeah,
0: those fuckers have no reason to, or no room to talk They say <laughs> a boot instead of about and they say yeah. sorry they say sorry when it should be sorry but I, I talk <laughs> funny too instead of instead there's a few words like every time at work I get made fun of because where I live at in Florida and specifically in the south there's a lot of like words that we don't say proper like most people do you, you pick up what you say and what your family says and that's kind of how your identity goes with language and mm-hmm. stuff like that Um, so, you know, me specifically, instead of saying potato, I say potatoes, right? So there's an A at the end, tomato, tomatoes, right? Shit like that. And I get picked on all the time. Uh, they, they call me a farmer. They call me, you know, some, some, some weird shit like that. So it's always funny hearing somebody else's getting made fun of because they say a word funny. And like I said, these Canadians have no room to talk, um, but nonetheless, man, So as we start to wind down, thank you for the Harry Potter talk. I didn't think you were going to come on here and think we we're going to talk about Harry Potter. We couldn't win <laughs> in a deep rabbit hole. I'll show you real quick. Um, back there is like all my, my trades and stuff like that. I'm like, oh, amazing. Yeah, I'm a huge comic book fan. Anything from Batman to Flash to, did you ever read Chew from IDW? Or no, no. Image, image. image. Um, let me get one of the books real quick and I'll show you. This is a phenomenal book. Um, it's, it's a few years old now. Uh, it's called Chew. Um, amazing. They, This one is, uh, this guy, he, whenever he tastes something, he can tell Mm. what happened. So like, say the chef was back there cooking something. And this is in a a time where chicken is illegal. You cannot have chicken, right? So the chef was back there and he cut himself and the blood dripped into the soup. So when this guy ate the soup, he saw that this chef had killed somebody. So he's a detective Mm -hmm. and he's figuring out that's his superpower. He can taste stuff and he can tell, where that that piece of something came from and the only food that he can't do it with i think it's beets is the only thing that he can eat and not taste where it came from but whenever he eats something he knows where it was grown if somebody was killed there and then he tracks these people down phenomenal book that is a great book if you you, you like that type of shit it's really really cool um but yeah we could have went down a super deep rabbit hole when it came to comics harry potter for sure um a couple questions as we wrap up um And we'll, we'll leave the last one, last couple ones for the edit 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 ed questions. Um, but before we move off of Harry Potter, who's your favorite character in Harry Potter? And what was your favorite book?
1: Um, My favorite book was Goblet of Fire okay. Um, because you really felt like the stakes went up super high because you had all these different schools coming in. You you, you obviously had the really this, the tournament, like it's going to call it the tournament of power, that's Dragon Ball. <laughs> <laughs> so you got like the, the tournament that that harry goes through and stuff and like um it, you just you could feel like the, the real danger going on there i think my favorite character was was probably ron um yeah. i just really just related to ron like you know he's just he's just trying to get by and he, he... redhead <laughs> and you know he, he you know he, he does bumble a lot and stuff but he's got you know he's he's got good intentions and things he's re- you know he's really good mate to harry so yeah i any ron's because he have just really just like i loved his family they were super cute so um, and, and like i really loved snape even when he was just being a total dick to harry and stuff so um but yeah like with, with comics and things i would say my favorite to probably be one of one of them is the superior foes of spider-man i really really enjoyed that it was one like it was super funny it was basically um you know spider-man meets arrested development that's the way i would describe it um Really enjoyed Southern Bastards* uh, by oh, Jason cast. Aaron and Jason Latour. Um, yes. Amazing. Um, think what else? Um, there's, there's, a, I'm really enjoying. There's a series written by my friend uh, James Lawrence called uh, *The Legends of La Mariposa. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's actually a lute, uh, lucha adventure story. So you might like it because it's got wrestling elements in there. What's it called? Um, *The uh, Le- Legend of La Mariposa okay. and it's by James Lawrence. And it's about it's about this female lucha wrestler, and she goes on a on a quest for glory, um, and she goes up against kind of supernatural and and monster like lucha enemies and things. But it's a very like very um super cute, super funny, very good great for kids as well. So it's like a, that's a that's a new series I've gotten into, um, and then like with with other comics and that I was I was uh reading I was i read, really enjoyed the Rat Queens as wow. well and.
0: I think i got that over yeah yeah i think i got it over here because I, I just reorganized everything um because i went and bought a whole bunch of new books um but have you read god country by Donnie cates
1: no no i've heard a bit though i've heard good things about holy it
0: shit uh, it, it is it's one of those books where you read it's one of those anythings you books movies tv shows whatever it is you read it and you're like holy shit if this was what he had in his heart and his brain and this is what he needed to get out You're like, this is a masterpiece. When I finished it, because I go, I I don't know about you guys, but we get our comics every Wednesday. And now that DC kind of separated from um, Diamond last year, they come in on Tuesday, but they still don't put them out until Wednesday. So ours are every Wednesday we get new comics. And I go down there and I get my stack. And then um, I always go to whoever's working, whether it's you know it used to be Sam, but now it's John or Mickey or whoever, I go like, hey, what would you suggest as far as like indie books? Because that's what I'm trying to get into. I- I'm a huge DC fan. I'm a huge Marvel fan, but I like Marvel for the secondary characters. Before Daredevil got huge, She-Hulk, all-time favorite, 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 uh, favorite um uh that's the wrong one, uh, but favorite Marvel hero was has always been She-Hulk. I'm I- such a fan because Hulk is such a hard character to read, right? He's he's like Superman, he's ever powerful. Um, he, the stronger he gets because he gets angrier. It, it's just, it's somebody that's it's stupid to read. I can't get into it. However, Immortal Hulk is fantastic if you're not reading it. Um, that's a great book. I'm um, just getting ready to wrap up too. Um, but I always go in there and ask, I'm like, hey, what would you suggest as far as indie? As long as it's like a first issue and I can read it and see if I like. I, the last thing I want to do is read a trade. And then I'm like, oh, fuck, I got to go sit here and try to find 20 issues of this shit so I can figure out yeah. the backstory. However, I did this with God Country. He, was, he goes and he pulls off a trade. I'm like, dude, I don't want to buy a trade. Right. And he's like, it's 10 bucks. It'll be the greatest $10 you will ever spend. And I'm like, <laughs> fuck it, man. You've never been wrong here. It's, like, I can't stump the guy on anything when it comes to comics. And he always gives good recommendations. And I take it home, and that's the first thing I read. I read it in like thirty minutes. I call back. I'm like, "Dude, put me down for volume two. And he's like, <laughs> "Buddy, I hate to tell you this, man, but that's the only one." And I was like, oh, "Whoa, whoa, 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 what, what do you mean the only one?" He was like, "He, that's that's a single containing story, five issues. Boom, it's done. He's done. Oh, and it's getting made into a. It's getting made into a TV series on AMC apparently. Um,
1: right.
0: Phenomenal. I can't recommend that one enough. you get the chance, God Country wow. by Donny Cates. Um, cool. But yeah, like I said, uh, so we got a couple questions here. Ed Ed and Eddie pretty much is what it's related to. Um, When you came on to write Mm -hmm. Ed Ed and Eddie, uh, we asked you what your first couple days were like or what the first kind of, you know, like, oh, shit, I'm here. And (laughs) who you're working with, all that other crazy shit. Um, Was there any stories? uh, I can't, I I didn't write the person's name down. So I I apologize for not writing you guys' names down. It was just something I was under the fire to get done. Um, But do you remember any stories that you wanted to, right that maybe didn't make it that you tried to pitch
1: um, I think now because yeah it's like God's like it's good you know what I'll wake up at two o'clock in the morning and go I should have said this but I just I can't um, I thought I was really happy that we managed there was a story called a Town called, Ed, a Town called Ed and it was where they find out the history of Peach Creek and I, I, I think that will get through because I thought oh dad Danny's not going to want to do like a historical episode, but we did manage to get it through eventually where the, the lads like, look at like the pilgrim yeah. heritage and things. Um, I think there was this one bloody episode um, called like premise called luck being Ed tonight. And it was essentially um, from what I remember, it was like where Eddie had unstoppable luck. And like um, it was, it was essentially, I guess it was a lot like the, the invention of lying, like that kind of premise of just like, what could you do if you were unstoppable? but it kind of like defeats itself because it's like well you've got if you've got eddie who's got unstoppable luck what can you really do to put that you know you' got to wrap this up in 11 minutes what do you do with it so we really really struggled with what we were gonna do and'm I'm, I'm starting to think of this is where the rumor of the lost episode came from because this bloody episode we tried so hard to like make it work um and it just it, we had to just can it eventually but it was that it was just floating around and around and around and like slush pit like of what we were gonna do so um I, I do wonder if, if maybe that was what started that rumor um so I guess it was that one and um I'm trying to think we wanted to do like a a girls only episode at some point but we again it was like what what are we gonna have the girls do and like not having the lads turn up like it's just okay okay cool but what do they do for 11 minutes um so I suppose it was that really but but fortunately to be honest if, if it was if the idea fell true to like who the ads were, we usually could find a way to, to at least get, you know, like get it get it into it, get sent off to Cartoon Network and they would, you know, weigh it up and that. So um yeah, I'd probably say it was it was kind of those two kind of thin ideas that I'm thinking of where we just really struggled to do anything with them. Now this one's
0: a hypothetical question, but if you could take any character uh, and do an instant spin-off series with them, who would you take? Hmm.
1: Um trying to think. Uh, God, you really put me on the spot here. Um <laughs> I don't know. Um probably I'm really sorry. I'm just I'm really I'm really struggling to think about probably um, Plank, to be honest. Like just could you just think of the weird kind of Doctor Strange-esque adventures you have with Plank? Could you now, imagine like-
0: if he had the affinity gauntlet and he was just traveling and jumping through time? <laughs> does he get yeah. does he get the cape like Doctor Strange had or no?
1: I think he would. I think he would have a, a, a cape of yeah. endless possibility, yeah. yeah. <laughs> just...
0: Badass goatee that Benedict Cumberpatch had or no? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that be phenomenal. You know, I, can see,
1: I can see him in like a Captain Kirk situation of like, Captain, the ship's going down, what are we going to do? <laughs> he just falls
0: over. It's like... <laughs> That's
1: great. Um,
0: Man, come to the What's in My Head podcast for Doctor Strange and Plank Crossovers. I, love <laughs> I hope that happens. Um, uh, last question here. When you sit back and you think about everything that you've done thus far with the Eds, because mm-hmm. I, I want to have you back on down the road and we can go pretty in depth if you want to over the big picture movie, because a lot of people were asking that, but it, that needs, I want a few of you guys on. I want to get Mike and, and maybe an artist and, and then yourself It'll probably be like five or six people. It'll be a complete shit show when it comes to it, as far as like trying to make sure everybody's not talking over each other. But I think it would be phenomenal. And I want to kind of do it. We tried to do it with our Christmas special watch along. However... Too much of the audio got picked up and um, YouTube right. flagged it for copyright right off the bat. So there is a phenomenal episode that I cannot release because it was flagged because of audio being picked up. You can show anything you want visually. You just can't pick up any audio because it, the algorithm picks it up right away. So uh, we're going to try I got to figure out how I can do that, whether I release it on YouTube or I just post it on you know all the social media sites so people can just see it. Um, but I want to do that with the big picture show. So I'm not asking those questions specifically because I want to save them for that episode at a later date. Um, But, uh, oh shit, I had that question and I lost it. It was was right here. Um, But yeah, oh yeah, there you go. When you sit back and think about everything you've done with Edit and Eddie, right? Hmm. We've sat down, we've talked the characters that you like, the characters that were hard, the characters that were fun, the characters that you would like to see spin off like Doctor Strange Plank. Um, What is the first thought? Now you said family earlier, right? Hmm. when you sit down if you, if you never did anything other than edit an eddie right would you feel like you said everything you wanted to say with the ed boys or do you feel like you've got more to say obviously it's danny's property and everything like that it's yeah. danny's danny's story but do you feel like you said everything you could say or do you still have more stories
1: i mean, me personally i feel like i you know i think we, we covered so much grounds with, with the Eds. we were, really went into like a lot of different places with them like not just like different locations and stuff but like all the different dynamics of their friendship and things so um you know and and by the time we hit the end of season five season six it was getting difficult to like we, we it was becoming a simpsons did it situation of like we, we were we were kind of going over old ground or oh does that does that idea feel like what we did in season three or you know like that kind of thing so um at least at that time it did kind of feel like we, we'd really kind of the barrel to, to an inch of its life of like what we could do with the characters at that point um you know it You I mean, never, never say never that's all that's all, that's what I would say to that one um you know because they are great and they are very complex characters and that and you know um the amount of love that they still that the show still gets like the nicest people in the world are like that I've spoken to have been Ed Ed and Eddie fans you know what I mean it's just you know um I, I I don't know. I just feel like the show's got a, a certain heart that like you don't always get. You know what I mean? It's 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 um kind of a rare thing. So yeah. Um, who knows? That's, that's all I would say to that one. I'm I'm not alluding to anything by the way. <laughs> I just no.
0: Don't. I always like to bring that one up because there are some people that feel like they could have told you know another story. Just make it a little bit deeper. Whether it's with yeah. Yeah. or with some of the side characters or the supporting role, uh, supporting role characters. Um, this has been. a Fun fucking talk. I'm so glad Mike and Jonah told me to reach out to you because this is this has been a blast. The last two interviews I've had specifically between you and she it was fun as hell, right? So thank you for coming on. Um, where can people go to see what Rachel's up to next? Whether you got some stuff coming down the road or, or you're working on something that you can be promoting, where can they come and say, hey, I liked what you did?
1: Yeah, for sure. You, I mean, you can find me on Twitter. I'm under I'm Rachel Lookit. And you can find me, I've got a, a Facebook page for any writing news that I, that I post um, I, you know I, we've got lookatopia.com look, lookatopia.com, sorry um, that's going to be we're in the process of updating that but that's where you can find a lot of my husband's work um, and we're going to be posting a lot of the stuff that we are going to be collaborating on in future um, I'm going to be talking about my novel that I'm working, my novel series that I'm working on, um, Lionclad um, and you can find I've, I've got, I wrote a comic I worked on my friend's comic, uh, Luna the Vampire. Okay. And you can get copies of that on, on Amazon. Um, and yeah, so that's what I tend to post most of my news to to, to social media anyway. So, um, and I'm going to be setting up a newsletter soon. So, yeah, the, the best probably updates of where to find me will be on, on, on Twitter or Facebook.
0: Beautiful. And I wrote that Luna the Vampire down so I can order as yeah. soon as we get off this call uh rachel thank you so much man this has been fun that's been rachel i've been julian this has been another piece of your childhood thank you for watching and goodbye thanks again for checking out the what's in my head podcast if you're digging what you're hearing leave us a five star rating that will help other fans of animation and pop culture find the show don't forget to smash that subscribe button tell a friend and i'll see you guys and gals next week good night